the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. This week we'll look ahead to CropTech, a new venue this year. What's in store? We've got about 150 exhibitors this year. So we've got the likes of Yara, Porsche, uh, Farrell, Kuhn, a huge variety, Bayer, Class, Mercedes, Agtech companies. The variety is huge. And it seems British Sugar have been listening. They've paused their divisive, clearly controversial contract and seed ordering debacle so that they can, and I quote, help facilitate negotiations with NFU Sugar to endeavour to agree prices and terms for next year's contract. And there's some new grant money available. Details later in the programme. Plus, we'll look at the markets, the weather, and Sean's here with some timely agronomy advice. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope it's been a good week for you. I'm Steve Orchard. In the Chancellor's autumn statement, farm workers, partners, contractors and sole traders were given a national insurance cut, but the impact will be limited by frozen thresholds. NI for employees goes down from 12 to 10%. For the self-employed, it's down one percentage point to 8% and they've abolished Class 2 contributions. Business rate relief is extended, but there's no drop to employees employers NI, nor did the anticipated change to inheritance tax materialise and the decision on how agricultural property relief will be applied to environmental land management schemes was deferred to the spring. For farmers that have diversified into farm shops, cafes and leisure facilities, the extension of the current 75% relief on business rates of up to 110000 for 2024-25 was welcomed. And if you produce beer, cider, wine or spirits, the freeze on alcohol duty may help. There are changes to planning fees coming next month with an increase to the application fee and the free resubmission being removed and a new charge for prior approval of an application where required. These changes come into effect on the 6th of December, so less than two weeks to beat the increase. British Sugar has paused contracting and seed ordering for 2024-25 to, quote, help facilitate negotiations with NFU Sugar, end quote. More on that with Sean Sparling in a few minutes. There's important news on glyphosate, which Sean will look at too. And the AHDB has partnered with ITN to develop a new style programme aiming to showcase the importance of livestock and the role the sector plays in feeding the country sustainably. CropTech is back later this week, but at a new venue. What can we expect? Let's find out a bit more from event director Verity Highland. First, Verity, where are we this year? So this year, the CropTech show is taking place at the NAEC in Stoneley, Warwickshire, on the 29th and 30th of November. And plenty to see, as usual. Lots. Of, let's talk about the exhibitors, first of all. How many of those have you got this time? Got about 150 exhibitors this year. So we've got the likes of Yara... Porsche, uh, Farrell, Kuhn, a huge variety, Bayer, Class, Mercedes, Agtech companies. The, the variety is huge. And it's not just equipment. Yeah, so there'll be software companies there, uh, the Agtech companies, so definitely not just machines. Everything linking to arable and agronomy and the so technology and innovation behind it. And it is arable rather than animals, yeah? Yeah, it is. It's an arable uh, show as opposed to a livestock show. And plenty of learning opportunities? 
Absolutely. So it's a massive knowledge exchange platform for arable farmers and agronomists to come. So we've got all the exhibitors exhibiting. They've got their stands. So they want visitors to go and speak to them. We also have a seminar, which has four key topics that's taking place. Content is the same across both days. Um, and then we also have specific hubs which are on the show floor where exhibitors will be focusing on specific content as well. What kind of content have we got at the seminars then? Can you tell me? Yes, topics on breaking down access to new markets to cultivate business resilience. So we've got speakers from the NFU, DEFRA. We've also got a topic on connecting bold thinkers in a time of change. So the variety is huge. And you have hubs. Everything's a hub these days, but you've got three of them. We've got a quality and quantity water hub, which is sponsored by Anglian Water. We've got a smart farming hub by UPL and UKRI are creating a TFP hub. Might want to explain what that means. (laughs) That's a transforming food production hub. So fueling growth, how agri-tech innovation is being funded. And you've got some new zones, haven't you, this year? We do. So we have got the Regen Zone this year, um, which Soil Association Certification are kindly leading for us. Really talking about regenerative farming, what is Regen, how and why is the grassroots movement amongst farming gathering such pace. We've also launched a startup zone, which is sponsored by Agritech Centres, and we've got startup companies in there. So that's really exciting. So it's showing how startups are getting into the industry. And if visitors are in the same like mind, they can really get tips and hints on how to succeed. And there's chances for people to test drive sprayers too. So we've got six manufacturers um, showcasing their sprayer machines. And we've got a designated sprayer test drive so visitors can go out and actually drive the machine so they can really get a first-hand experience. Um, It's really great to have so many manufacturers on board this year. And as ever with these shows, there's a social element there, isn't there? It's good to meet up with people you might not see all that often. Absolutely. It's such a good networking platform for people just come along, catch up with old friends, meet new people and just have a general chit chat about the industry at the moment. There's so much going on and it's just so nice that we've got this platform for people to come and see what's going on. And for those who are wanting to take advantage of the learning opportunities, there's points for CPD available there. Yeah, the CPD and basis points available. So just head to our website to find out more information on that. Okay, talking to the website, do you want to tell me when, where, where we go for tickets and registration? So it's croptechshow.com and you can register for your free ticket. The event takes place on Wednesday and Thursday, so that's the 29th and 30th of November at the NAEC Stoneley in Warwickshire. And I shall be very much looking forward to seeing you there once again. All right, Verity, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Do let me know if you go in. The coffees are on me. Drop me an email, steve at linksfm.co.uk. Now, with some timely agronomy advice and good news on glyphosate, it's time to join our crop doctor, Sean Sparling. Last week, it was all about British sugar and their decision to bypass the established negotiation framework with NFU sugar, which caused anger at the NFU and concern and confusion amongst growers. It seems they've listened. Common sense is back. Morning, Sean. 
Yes, morning, Steve. It is, isn't it? You know, they paused their divisive, clearly controversial contract and seed ordering debacle so that they can, and I quote, help facilitate negotiations with NFU Sugar to endeavour to agree prices and terms for next year's contract. They've restarted this negotiation process at the end of this week just gone, as you all now know, and that can only be good news. But to be quite honest, we should never have got to this position. They should never have created a situation whereby they so blatantly undermine the whole negotiation process like they did. And arguably, they should have got back round the table at least a couple of weeks ago. A lot of ill feeling out here amongst beet growers, but we're going on the right track now, so we move on. Something else in the news that many people may have missed is the very welcome news that the European Commission announced a little over a week ago that it's likely to reapprove the use of glyphosate across the EU for another 10 years. I think the 15th of December, the Commission will make that decision. They base their decision the only way any decisions like this should be taken on comprehensive safety assessments which have been carried out by the European Food Safety Authority, the EFSA, who incidentally stated that they found no critical area of concern at all regarding glyphosate and the European Chemicals Agency, of course, the ECHA, along with EU member states. So they'll now proceed with that renewal of the approval for glyphosate for a period of 10 years. But unfortunately, it's going to bring a few caveats and restrictions with it, including the prohibition of pre-harvest use. Now, that is a big issue, you know, particularly for harvesting crops like oilseed rape, another nail in that crop's coffin, I fear. Glyphosate is not incidentally, as I keep saying over and over and over, a desiccant. It is a harvest aid. It helps manage the weeds and the green matter in the crop and it evens up the field pre-harvest. It's not a desiccant because it's applied after the crop is physiologically dead. So there's no movement back up towards the seed. And it's a hugely useful and in most years an invaluable tool in oilseed rape. It leathers the pods, it helps prevent pod shatter, it tidies up grass weeds and broadleaf weeds which thrive below the canopy as it opens towards harvest. So the loss of that harvest management tool is going to be felt really strongly by oilseed rape growers. Well, those that keep growing the crop anyway. It just seems like everything is against people growing oilseed rape at the moment. If it's not cabbage stem flea beetle, it's rape winter stem weevil, issues with establishment. And now the loss of pre-harvest glyphosate all added together along with a rubbish price. Linseed harvest, again, that's going to be a trial without glyphosate. Although I did have some linseed cut this year without glyphosate and it actually went reasonably well physically cutting it, but thrashing the seed out of the bowls was incredibly difficult. And considering the seed is the bit we need, that wasn't and will never be ideal in linseed. But plenty of other crops as well, you know, benefit from glyphosate. Peas, beans, millet, barley, and of course wheat in many seasons and in certain parts of the UK like Scotland, the quality barley in the milling wheat harvest could be seriously compromised because of this change. Never ceases to astonish me that the independent science from literally tens of thousands of peer-reviewed studies, and bear in mind the EFSA screened over 16,000 published studies, as well as another 300 or so additional ones that were brought to their attention during the public consultation period. Virtually all of those studies have shown glyphosate to be one of the safest compounds available and it's been so summarily demonised, hijacked, misinterpreted and twisted by people taking various studies findings out of context and manipulating those findings to promote an anti-pre-harvest glyphosate narrative and to unnecessarily and very cynically in my opinion alarm a very suggestible and concerned public and whip up a rabid media to help perpetuate their narrative. We've heard so much nonsense from groups such as the Pesticide Action Network, the Health and Environment Alliance, 
perhaps the Soil Association on several levels, and many, many others who unfortunately for farming have such a loud, frightening and influential voice amongst politicians. The facts are all out there to be seen. You know, the salt in a loaf of bread is probably more dangerous than the glyphosate residue, which is so incredibly minuscule that to put things in perspective for you, you'd have to eat over a quarter of a tonne of wholemeal bread every day for 85 years of your life to even get close to 1% of a dose that still wouldn't do you any harm. That means you could eat 25 tonnes of wholemeal bread every day until you're 85, assuming glyphosate had been applied to that crop pre-harvest, of course, and less than 10% of million weeks treated with pre-harvest glyphosate in any one season. So you'd have to eat over 25 tonnes to get a maximum recommended daily intake dose, which is still going to do you absolutely no harm. Paracelsus said, it's the dose that's the toxin. It's not what it is, it's how much of it there is. And we're encouraged to be terrified of things like glyphosate, but it's all for political reasons. In reality, you know, there are an awful lot of other things and many, many of them better to worry about than glyphosate. But that doesn't alter the fact that these likely new restrictions on glyphosate use will have to be managed and applied in order to keep glyphosate in our armory. And remember, without glyphosate, there's no more regen agriculture. There's no more no-till, low-till, min-till cultivations and carbon release becomes commonplace because we have to employ more cultivations and more invasive cultivations they have to return to replace the job that glyphosate does. And don't ever forget that no matter what happens, we all have to eat. And glyphosate plays a massively important role in that process of producing our food. It stops weed competition, it ensures that yields and quality can be maintained, and it allows us, as I say, to manage our carbon. Very good news for all of us, I can tell you, if we get to keep glyphosate for another 10 more years in so many respects. Right, agronomy then. Short and sweet. What can I say? It's still wet. We haven't had much rain this last week, but we've had drizzly wet stuff nearly every day and things just aren't drying out. So it's complicated. It's still way too warm and way too wet for propizomide to do its best job. And in the cereals, slugs, 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 and then more slugs. Don't assume anything on the slug front. They are hammering crops that are yet to emerge and emerge fields alike. So keep your eyes peeled and treat if and when you find them. That'll do. Let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks as ever, Sean. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services, our independent agronomist, will be back same time next week. There's some new grant money available, two different lots. Details coming up, along with a look at the markets and the week's weather, next. The Farming Programme, with our equipped steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. A couple of grant funding opportunities for agri-tech and farmers are now open. Firstly, supporting small and medium enterprises, SMEs, is funding from Innovate UK. And from Mason's Rural, Henry Simpson, what can you tell us, Henry? Yes, so these are grants from the Innovate UK scheme. Um, They are specialised in the agri-tech and food-tech areas of the east of England. The grants are split into three different strands, two of them being similar and one of them being a little bit separate. The two similar ones, the first one's called Minimal Financial Assistance and you're on Collaborative Research and Development. They effectively try to use the same goal, but the Minimal Financial Assistance is targeted more towards small and medium enterprises or SME businesses, and they cover 100% of the costs of the innovation that the organisation is trying to achieve, and that grant funding can be between 25000 and 100000 
them schemes last between six and 12 months, and but they must end for the 30th of April 2025, with them aiming to begin from April 2024. Are there any particular kind of things that this money can be spent on? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's mainly on innovation and stuff. So they haven't specified exactly, but they're trying to leave it quite open and, and leave to the imagination of the organisation. But they're trying to encourage organisations to focus on areas where it's potential for increasing productivity of crops or production of any agricultural stuff like that, or uh, livestock or ornamental plants, bioeconomy. But they have made it clear it can't be used for primary production, so it can't be expanding your current business. It must be for development and research and innovation. Okay, and you mentioned other funds. Yes, so the other fund is, they call it a cluster management, which is a grant request of up to 150,000. The scheme must last for up to 24 months, starting from the 1st of April 2024. That is more focused on supply chains and stuff around that, so strengthening road networks or business connections and clusters with uh, the Midlands and more uh, industrial diverse areas um, and trying to attract businesses into Lincolnshire and the greater Lincolnshire local enterprise area. And who can apply for these things? Are there restrictions? Uh, There are restrictions. With a minimal financial assistance grant I spoke about earlier, that is only to SME businesses, um, but the the other two are open to all uh, all businesses. But the deadlines for these do close on the 6th of December of this year. Okay, and do businesses have to be within Lincolnshire or Greater Lincolnshire? Not especially, no. They have to have operations and try and target uh, Lincolnshire, but they, their official address does ha- can be outside of uh, Lincolnshire. Okay, and where would we go for more information? How can uh, somebody apply for this? So all the information is available on the Innovate UK website and under the Agritech and Food Tech website. All of those information is there and how to apply and what guidance you would need to form an application. Okay, and is this something that Masons can advise people on if they're looking at this and thinking, as is often the case, this looks rather complicated, I need some advice. Can they come to you? Absolutely, we're always open. Uh, Just give us a call on our main line. We can have to help with all sorts of guidance and taking you through the process of submitting an application. Lovely. All right, Henry, thank you very much. Thank you. Just going to call Henry back, see if we can get a bit better line for his market report. And while we do that, let me tell you about another grant, the Slurry Infrastructure Grant. It's designed to help farmers improve slurry storage and management. You can build additional, expand or cover existing slurry stores that could help improve the use of organic nutrients on the farm and reduce pollution. It's available to pig, beef and dairy farms in England and covers the cost of replacement, construction or expansion of slurry stores, covers, reception pits, slurry pumps and agitators and later in the next round, slurry separators. Grants are between £25,000 and £250,000. There are eligibility criteria and there's a government online checker to help. There's details on the gov.uk website. Search Slurry Infrastructure Grant or have a word with Masons Rural. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Talking to Masons, here's Henry Simpson again on a better line from Louth Livestock Market. Morning, Henry. Good morning, Steve, and welcome to another weekly roundup from the Louth Livestock Market. This is from Monday the 20th of November. 
Starting off with the Prime's cattle, the Prime steers saw an all an average of 284.18 pence per kilo and the Prime heifer saw an all an average of 280.05 pence per kilo. Top of the day was John Scolia Bormba with a steer to £1,794 per head or 289 pence per kilo and topping the heifers with J.E. Thurby of Gainsborough to £1,583 per head or 290 pence per kilo. Now moving on to the cool cows, which is a small show this week, saw an all-in average of 77.82 pence per kilo, with a top price going to DC, DM and S Fussy of Toft Next Newton to 107 pence per kilo. This week was a store cattle week. The store steers saw an all-in average of £928 per head, and the store heifer saw an all-in average of £860 per head. With top price today going to A.W. Lewis & Son, with a pair of 14-month-old limousine steers to £1,110 per head, and A.W. Lewis & Son also topped the heifers to £1,100 per head. Other tops goes to C.A. Oliver of Ashbury or Partney, topping the steer pence per kilo to £300 per kilo, and C.H.J. Wayton, son of Newball, topped the heifers to £260 per kilo. Now wrapped up the cattle and now moving on to the sheep, with a bigger show forward with 302 entered, so an SQQ of 253.69 pence per kilo, and an oil average of 254.14 pence per kilo. Top price today goes to D.A. Fenwick of Gainsborough to £149 per head, and also to Schoolsy Farms Limited of Horncastle to £290 per kilo. Now to the cool use, we saw a mixed bag in terms of quality and breeds and offer this week, we saw 78 forwards see an average per head of £82.11, with top price from Jane Robinson to £168 per head. Now to the stall lambs, we saw 45 forwards see an average per head of £83.56, with a top price from R. Ark of Scunthorpe selling a strong pair of Suffolk bred lambs to £94 per head. A big thank you to everyone who supports the market week in, week out. That goes to all buyers, vendors, and staff. Just a reminder, tomorrow it is our charity fat stock show and sale, so please come on down to support the committee. Entries to the show are now closed, but we're still taking entries to all non-show stock, so please don't hesitate to contact Edward Middleton on the usual market number. It's been Henry Simpson from the Mason Drill Team. Thank you. Thanks, Henry. And with a look at the grey markets and with some guide prices, Openfields Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. The wheat market continues to be range-bound, lacking fresh direction and giving managed funds who are running record short positions no reason to take cover. Russian missile attacks on Odessa port infrastructure have intensified but appear to be ignored by the trade, who prefer to focus on the lower freight rates following the UK's shipping insurance deal with the Ukraine and optimism that the new corridor will continue to function. Russian wheat exports have slowed due to a combination of bad weather and reduced farmer selling, with prices now below the cost of production, which has pushed up domestic prices. A Ukrainian missile strike on a major Russian port facility, or the Kirsch Bridge, would be the most likely trigger for shorts to cover. EU weekly soft wheat exports were solid at 786,000, but the data remains incomplete with Bulgarian data not updated since early September. Reports yesterday that Bulgaria had exported 3 million metric tonnes so far, as opposed to the 937,000 reported by the EU, would put EU exports down by 5% year-on-year, and not the 19% according to the EU data, which is construed as a sharp drop in demand by many pundits and analysts. It will be interesting to monitor the EU exports over the next few months, particularly with reports of 2.5 million metric tonnes of French wheat to be shipped to China from the December to March period. The USDA reported that China bought 110,000 of US soft red winters this week with rumours that they may have also also bought other grades of wheat. So looking at barley this week, again this week, malting barley has been very quiet. There have been some export values reported, but very little actual traded. A small amount of domestic demand has appeared post-Christmas, but mainly for planets into East Anglia. 
there is also no appetite for molsters to look at pricing anything for 2024 crop currently. The release of the AHDB early bird survey last week suggested that the spring plantings could be up by as much as 13% year over year, which hasn't helped generate any interest. Molsters and brewers will look at this figure and think plenty of malting barley. Why price anything now, especially with no malt demand? Oilseed rape, Matif rapeseed has been back trading in the 430 euros range following the rally last week, which failed to break the resistance at 450 euros. The market focus remains on the South American weather, which has helped boost the oilseed complex to recent highs in the last week. Chicago soybeans were sharply down on Wednesday, losing over 1% on the day as recent rains in Brazil have helped to ease concerns for the crop. However, the Commodity Weather Group have commented that these rains will give modest relief and that hot crop stressing conditions will return next week. So looking at prices, feed wheat for December 176 to 186, February 180 to 190, May 186 to 196 and November new crop 193 to 203. Milling wheat premiums are currently £60. Feed barley for December 150 to 160, February 156 to 166, May 159 to 169 and November new crop 167 to 177. Malting premiums are currently circa £80. And lastly, oilseed rate for December 337 to 347, February 341 to 351 and May 347 to 357. Thank you very much. Thanks as ever, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. After a drier few days, the rain's back and it's definitely colder with lowish pressure this week. Cloudy skies and some heavy rains likely later today. Just a light southwesterly and highs no more than 4 or 5 Celsius. Monday brings a drizzly day, a couple of degrees warmer, but the breeze picks up to the mid-teens MPH and moves to northerly. The middle of the week's drier but remains cloudy and cold, quite calm though. Towards the end of the week, more rain, some mist and fog likely, just gentle breezes and highs no more than 5. Overnight lows this week dip down to 2 Celsius some days. Well, that's it for this week on the Farming Programme. Don't forget you don't have to get up early on a Sunday morning to be with us on the radio. We're online, the Free Leaks FM app, all podcast platforms and smart speaker. Ask it to play the latest Farming Programme from 7am on a Sunday. Any problems finding us that way, drop me an email, steve at linksfm.co.uk. Next week, a new methane-powered tractor, plus the week in agriculture. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.